now, back to your tech report. Welcome back to your tech report. He is Mitchell Whitfield. I am Mark Aflalo. As always on social media, please find us at your tech report. You'll find lots of fun stuff, including Mitchell, our YouTube channel, where we tend to focus a lot on bringing a picture to those things on our radio show that we can't necessarily explain so well, such as the next product we're going to talk about. Yeah, the next product, you know, I'm excited that we're doing this. And this is the first time we've done anything like this. And I have to tell you, Mark, before we even, you know, and I know our our guest is waiting to come on and can hear what I'm saying right now. But if I didn't respect this guy before we're about to do this, I have a tremendous amount of respect for our next guest, not just because of the product, but because of why he's on our show today. So let's talk about Ping GPS for a second before we bring on uh, the co-founder, Josh. Um, this is a product that I originally found on, uh, Josh, welcome to the show. You can answer some questions. Questions for me, <laughs> Josh hey Lipner, who's the co-founder of Ping. Welcome back. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for uh, thanks for not only having me back, but <laughs> trusting trusting me to be the first one that you've done a follow-up show on. So uh, we, we've done, we've done some follow-ups before, but not for this ex- exact reason. And so let me get, originally you guys were Indiegogo or Kickstarter? I didn't want to get that wrong. We were Indiegogo. Okay, yeah, so Indiegogo, Indiegogo so you were, a, you were over two years ago. a crowdfunded campaign, and Ping, um, you know, originally, I mean, explain what the product is. It's a, it's a GPS tracker. Um, we had, remember the conversation we had, and we'll link to it, you know, uh, when we post this interview online. We talked about, you know, having young kids and, and being frustrated with the size of these tracking devices that were out there and things like battery life and just, you know, ex- explain what the product is again. Yeah, actually, it's, it's pretty funny what you just said. You called it a GPS tracker. I think if memory serves and my memory's failing uh, by the minute I'm finding <laughs> nowadays, but um, if memory serves back then, my entire discussion with you was about the fact that we were not a GPS tracker. Correct. That ping yes. was designed to be a GPS locator. Yes. And right. the difference being that a, a tracking device was essentially always on and always reporting where ping was designed to be an on-demand device. Uh, it's amazing how much can change in a year because <laughs> ping is now a GPS tracker. Um, <laughs> it is a complete 180 shift. And the reason for that is partially because of you know consumer demand but quite honestly, it's just because of technology and because of physics. So what Ping, what Ping is designed to do, I mean, what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to let you know um, where something that is something or someone that is important to you is anywhere in the world uh, at any time. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean immediately. It doesn't right. necessarily mean it's going to give you, you know, down to the to the millimeter. But it's supposed to. It was always designed to give you a sense of peace of mind that something is relatively where it is supposed to be when it's supposed to be there, be it your kids at school and you know, oh, okay, well, I can see they're within this, you know, 500 or 1,000 foot radius of their school um, or, you know, your luggage where you're expecting it in JFK and, you know, you're sitting there watching the turnstile and you take a look at the app and you're going wait, what the heck is it doing over in, in Chicago? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you don't necessarily need to know it's on Terminal 2 in, Ch- in and Chicago. And by the way, right all, those, there. all those use cases are, are, are cases where I've actually used it. And, and kind of going <laughs> back to the beginning, I guess, quote-unquote beginning, we did a video. I unboxed the product when I first got it. And I listen, I funded it. I paid my own money. I didn't get it in quicker than anybody else. I did an unboxing, and I talked about the product. And, of course, when you're unboxing something on a video, you don't really have a, a chance to go into major depth in, in terms of using it. Um, I did use it, and I didn't have great success with you know the features that I thought it was 
supposed to do from the start, but I followed you guys, and the, and you guys were very transparent in firmware updates and development to the point that you, as you said, you did a complete 180, released a brand new app that was redone from the ground up, and I've had you know amazing success with the device. I haven't charged two of my three that are sitting right next to me in over a month, and they still have battery life, and they're still reporting when there's movement. So this is why I wanted to reach out to you because people, you know, do as people do, and they and they commented on our unboxing video, and the comments were overwhelmingly not positive. And I figured, you know oh, yeah. what, I don't want to go ahead and respond to you know people, you know, going out there and 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 responding in any way, shape, or form. And I wanted to give you the opportunity to do that here and to talk about the experience because I think overall, and as we talked about a little bit or alluded to a bit off air, this was a, an experience for you guys, and and to get to the, where oh, yeah. we are today. A big one. Yeah, it's it's a constant experience. I mean, like literally to the to the minute <laughs> right before I called you guys, a kind of experience. Um, <laughs> so I, I appreciate I appreciate you guys reaching out to me. I appreciate you uh, understanding kind of some of the situations and, and 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 the comments and things like that. And the comments are all over the board. I mean, it's just like you said. You know, they're the obviously it's the vocal the vocal minority that like to scream the loudest. Right. Um, but, you know, forget all about that because everybody, you know, deals with that. But let me just kind of explain from the tech side, since that's what you guys are all about, kind of what's going on and, like, what we learned and what we did about it. Because um, I'm guessing that's kind of what, what is of interest um, in, in general to, yeah, to anyone listening. So he, here's the big thing. What people don't actually understand when it comes to hardware, I'm not going to say this about a website because a website is very, very fundamentally different. But when it comes to hardware... You know, people have these expectations. They have these expectations that something's going to work 100% of the time, all the time, regardless of how strange or different or next-gen or pushing the boundary tech is. You know, uh, and, and it makes sense, right? If you use a thermometer to take your kid's temperature, you know, you expect it's going to work. You, you drive a car, you expect it's not going to crash. So it's not an unrealistic expectation. However... When you're a startup like Ping and you have a device that's the size of a man's, you know, wristwatch, and this device is talking to satellites in space that you don't control and cell towers that are deployed all over the world that you have no control or access to, and on top of that, uh, you have no access to how the person using the device is going to attach it, if they're going to stick it inside uh, a piece of luggage inside a bag, inside of a bag, or are they going to clip it to the outside of their kid, or are they going to stick it in their metal lunchbox? I mean, you don't know if the thing's going to be facing down or facing up. You have no idea about any of this, right? And as a result, you have actually very little control at the end of the day of how well something that is using so many externalities is going to work. And that's what we kind of realized happened with Ping, is Ping is, uh, for lack of a, a better analogy, a cell phone. It's a tiny little cell phone. And as anyone who's ever used a cell phone can attest and has, you know, walked more than 10 feet, your service could drop. It can cut in and out. And, and that's, that's all happening constantly because of a number of different reasons. But, you know, phones are getting bigger. And one of the reasons that phones are getting bigger is because the bigger the device, the bigger the antenna, the better they can work. Um, and that's a really hard thing when it comes to this first generation of our ping device, because it's so small that the antenna has a harder time staying connected. And 
you know, it took us it took us a, a good year to really kind of come to grips with the fact that while we would love a device that could be always connected, regardless of how many bags in a bag it's put in or the orientation or wherever or it's three levels under a parking garage, while we would love a tiny little, you know, device that can always stay connected to a cell tower so that if somebody wanted to know its location on demand, we can connect to it and we can say, where are you? And then, you know regardless of the fact that it's five levels deep inside of a building, it could somehow connect to a satellite in space, which technically requires line of sight to work, right. um, and then immediately report that in. It, it's quite frankly, it's unrealistic. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's just not possible. So we have to look at that, and we have to look at all that feedback that you're discussing and, and people saying it's not working, I'm asking for its location, it takes an hour, or I never get it, or whatever. And we have to say, okay, what's the best we can do? I mean, as a company, it's honestly, there's only about three of us in this company who are working on this. I mean, we're a right. really small company. And people expect, you know, you're like Amazon with 5,000 engineers <laughs> doing Alexa. But we're a really small company. And we had to look at the reality of our technology that we had built and that we had sold. And we had to say, okay, we have a device that because of physics, because of things we don't control, intermittently can connect to sell and intermittently can get a GPS location. What can we do about that? And what we did was, you know, Sashi, my partner, applied 17 years of building these type of devices for various, you know, military organizations and said, well, you know, one of the things that we can do is we can use the device's accelerometer and we can use some smart algorithms and we can say, if this thing is moving and if it seems to be moving enough in the right direction, then why don't we try to continually get a cell connection and report in? And obviously, the, uh, my immediate answer was like, isn't that going to kill the battery? And <laughs> as a company, again, we said, yeah, if somebody's moving a lot, it might, but isn't it better that a device that they're using to try to find whatever's important is going to work and give them that information, even if they have to charge it more often than we thought they would, be, they would have to charge it? than having a device which has two or three months of battery life but never actually does anything other than having battery life. So it's been a very hard decision to make, um, but it was a move that was relatively welcomed by people when we redid the software. But it, it was a dramatic change you know, when you go out and say that this is a device that is a locator, and that's why we're different. And then you turn around a year later and say, you know what, uh, actually we're going to have to be more of a GPS tracking device because, you know, that's what's going to be best for the users. And, and the best analogy I can give to kind of wrap this up is you look at something like Amazon Alexa, right? Uh, I don't know if you guys have one. It's probably going to talk to me because they can hear me talking right now. Yeah, I know. But, yeah. We do the you same know. thing, yeah. Yeah, so how many times, how many times a day are people talking to that little box, you know, or Google Home or whatever and asking a question? And it comes back and gives you the wrong information, right? How many times does it say, uh, you know, I don't know, or what was that, or whatever the heck it might be, or just totally, totally incorrect fact. But for whatever reason, you know, people, if, if, if it's correct one out of ten times, people sit there and talk about, wow, this is the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> they forget about the nine other times. Right. When you're a small startup like us with one product, it's incredible to me how, you know, even if we can be precise and accurate, which we are 80 some odd percent of the time, 
giving people the location in a very, very timely manner, we still get completely bashed for the 20% of the time that we're not able to do that. Yeah. And it's an extremely interesting dichotomy to me as somebody trying to run a tech startup nowadays. No, and, and frustrating as well. By the way, if you just joined us right now, we are talking with Josh Lippiner. He is the co-founder of Ping. Uh, Josh, as, as I'm listening to you, I think people don't realize a couple things. Like you said, they don't realize the size of your company. They don't realize what goes into getting a new product off the ground, the challenges there that continue even throughout the release and the life of a product. And you guys had two things to deal with. Your issues were twofold. You were dealing with, okay, how can we change, really change our MO? Now we're going to make this, you know, we're going to change really how our device works and how we said it was going to work. And at the same time, on the tech side that you're working on that, you're also working on managing customer expectation and communication. So there are two challenges that have to be dealt with basically simultaneously, right? Oh, without question. And it's it, and it got even more interesting, too, because oh boy. <laughs> we uh, when we launched a campaign, as Mark, as you know, uh, I went over the top with communication. I mean, we launched a forum, which I've never seen anybody else do, specifically so that we could engage an entire community of backers to discuss ping, keep them updated. I was doing videos, the whole thing. We were updating Indiegogo. We were sending out emails. We were doing all of this. And and on top of that, we had our customer service through our Help Scout uh, platform and everything. And we found that with three of us, it became almost impossible to keep those communication chains going. But what was more interesting to me is no matter how many different angles or how many different channels, I should say, that we would post updates, for example, that there's a new app, right? Or that you have to update the firmware, or this is now how it works. We would post it a hundred times, or you have to confirm your shipping address. That's a great one. You know, we would post it a hundred times in a hundred different places. And Months later, today, you know, there will be an email from somebody saying, you're screaming at us. We never saw this. How are we supposed to know this? I mean, it's an, it's an incredible amount of challenges trying to keep uh, a customer base active, engaged, and happy while trying to run a company, create a product, build a mobile app, the whole thing, when you have, you know, in our case, less than five people. Um, but I think it, it applies when you have, you know, 10 or 15 people. The, the, um, I call it the Amazonian culture. It's actually in, if you sent an email to support at pinggps.com, the auto reply you get says in it, we are not an Amazonian like company. There's only three or four of us. Please right. give us a few days to get back to this because everybody expects the same level of responsiveness and service that you get from buying something on Amazon, regardless of the size of the company. And they don't, and for the most part, people just don't understand that a lot of the most innovative, um, risk-taking, you know, boundary-pushing type of things, which may or may not always work, uh, they're being done by companies like Ping. And, and, and yep. we're, especially ones that are coming from Indiegogo, we're really trying to do something different, but it is difficult to juggle and balance that with consumer expectations. No, absolutely. And Josh, this is Mitchell, by the way. So uh, I just wanted to jump in here. And this is the nice thing about having relationships. And this is where we come in and other people that are in the media or are social media influencers on YouTube. This is where people like us come in, where we can also help get the word out because it shouldn't be, the onus shouldn't be just on you guys. If we're the ones that are talking about the products in the first place, and let's say there are other outlets that gave negative, you know, we gave a positive review with our experience and other people maybe get 
get negative review. I think once companies like you make that effort, and clearly you're making a huge effort to not just inform your, your, your customers and engage new customers, but also update and upgrade your product, I think it's up to us. I wish you know, you know human nature, as you said. The people that are upset are always the loudest. But I think in order to be fair, you have to be equally willing to shout out, hey, guess what? They fixed a lot of stuff. The stuff is working really well. Download the new software and you'll have a completely different experience, which is the beauty of having products that have a software component because you can upgrade just through software, just through the way you manage batteries, just through the way you manage performance and connection to satellites. So I think it is up to the people like us to be able to be advocates for you guys and say, hey, look, maybe we do another video on YouTube and say, hey, here's a follow-up. We know some of you have been having issues. Here's how to fix them and here's how we changed our experience. So it shouldn't be just on you guys because like you said, you're a small group. It should be up to other people. If people are willing to complain, they should also be willing to say, hey, you know what, guys? This is a company that cares. They're trying and they really have fixed a lot of great stuff. So I think some of that is on the media as well. No, and I, I completely appreciate that. And I do have to say that the thing that keeps you know us us going are all of those people. Are people like you are you know, a, a, an even smaller, you know, vocal minority, the ones that come and say, how can we help? I understand it. I get how this thing works. I get the challenges. You know, we love what you're doing. And they accept, you know, they accept the limitations of a device like this, you know. Right. And yeah. those people are incredible. I mean, these are the these are the people that really help to um, keep the spirits high and, you know, to keep us wanting to innovate. I mean, I I'm not a mobile app developer. But when Sashi made all these changes to the way the hardware works, we didn't have any money to pay our mobile developer to go and, uh, you know, and go and build a new app. So I literally had to learn how to build the app. So that, that new app, Mark, that you guys are using, that's entirely me. <laughs> and as of yesterday, um, you know, in terms of like the customers and how you balance it, as of yesterday, we released a major upgrade to the app. We're now... You can actually go into any one of your devices and you can view the performance of that device. So you can actually view now how often is it communicating over cellular, how often is it communicating yeah, over, over GPS, Bluetooth, the whole thing, which is, which is, I did it selfishly because we had so many people writing in and saying, oh, I don't think this is working. Uh, I just looked and it's not giving me the latest report. And they'd write in saying, I don't think it's working. So now we wanted to empower all of those people to be able to, you know, go in themselves and see, okay, how well is this thing working? And as an individual, like you were saying, Marshall, like uh, Mitchell, uh, as an individual, they're able to, you know, make that judgment call to say, okay, this is this is good enough. I still support this. I still like what it's doing. I understand, you know, the limitation. I understand how well it's working. I'm okay with it, or I'm not okay with it. And I think it's I think it's it is that balance. It's it's not just the customers. Um, not just the customers uh, cutting us some slack, because I'm not asking for that uh, per se, uh, but I think it's a matter of a balance between a company or startup communicating the right amount with its customers and the customers communicating back to the company in such a way that everybody is empowered to get the most out of whatever it is they're trying to use. This is your tech report, Mitchell Whitfield and Mark Aflalo with you talking to Josh Lippiner of Ping GPS. Head over to pinggps.com. Josh, we're going to take a quick break, but I want to I want to come back and ask you at what point or which points in time you almost pulled your hair out and probably threw in the towel. Stick around. We'll be back in just a moment. There's more your tech report after this. 
This is Your Tech Report. For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. He is Mitchell Whitfield. I am Mark Aflalo. Please follow along with us on all our social media at Your Tech Report. We are in conversation with uh, the co-founder of Ping GPS, a very cool small uh, GPS locator slash tracker. Um, before we took a break, we were talking to Josh and uh, we were talking about the interactions with people that made it, you know, I guess worthwhile to continue, you know, continuing the game or continuing development of a, a product like this. But I'm curious, Josh, at what point or what points in time uh, or, or why you did or didn't, you know, think of throwing in the towel? Um, because I'm sure that's come up a couple times in the in this process, right? The, the frustration oh, can only get you to a certain point where you're just like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Um, yeah. So I'm going to be super open with you guys about all of this, and I know I'm on the on the radio. Um, what really keeps us from throwing the towel is that we have actually designed our next generation device. It is a category killer. It is an incredible device. Uh, it it's, it's, takes three, two and a half years of learnings from this device, thousands of customer interactions, the whole thing, and puts it into a, a new device that's basically the size of a credit card, and it, it's a much, much stronger device. Um, and we get calls constantly from consumer brands and enterprise companies and whatnot who would like to order a device like that, uh, but... We're a startup that only has so much money, that only has so much attention, uh, or I should say has very little money and has very little resources. And, you know, we're sitting here kind of like an actor. You know, we're waiting for our big break, quite frankly. We, we, what keeps us going is listening to the customer and trying to create that ultimate solution that we set out to build in the first place. Yeah. Because we have it. It's within our grasp. It's right there. We simply just need that one relationship, you know, that one big client to right. walk through the door and say, I'm going to work with you guys to make this a reality and bring this to light because you guys have the experience. You know what to not build. You know how to manage the customer. You know the tech limitations. It's time to take this to that next level and apply those learnings. But like many startups, you know, before us, it's, too little, too late, right? By the time that we learned all those lessons, by the time that we knew what needed to be developed, there's no more money, there's no more time, there's no more people. So that's what keeps, that's what honestly keeps us uh, motivated is the, the, the dream of actually being able to fulfill on what we set out to do when we started paying, you know, three years ago. You know what? Uh, and this is Mitchell again, Josh. I have to tell you how happy I am that you're sharing your actual personal feelings. Listen, a lot of people, especially when we're talking business, talking technology, no one likes to show their squishy side. Everyone in business <laughs> wants to present, you know, uh, here's here's where we are, here's where we are, and everything's great. And you know what? I think talking about the challenges adds a certain humanity, especially to a small company, that people don't get to see. I think I think people tend to forget that all companies are made up of people. 
But when it comes to smaller companies that are really trying to bring something new, bring an exciting product that no, no one's ever thought of, no one's ever done well before, and it really is based on a very small, in your case, three people that are pushing this forward. It, it, there's no humanity that's attached to businesses like yours. And I think it's important that you share your story. You share the challenges because, like you said, people have skewed expectations. People hear there's a product. Oh, it should do this because in my mind, I have other products that do ABC. Yours should do this. And if it doesn't, I'm going to complain. And that's not the way it works. And I think if we start crushing, you know, ping, ping from its infancy, not, you know, not to where you are now, which is, you know, you've got all these things worked out. It's working great. But if you crush companies like yours in the infancy because of not reaching expectations or alleged expectations, you're going to lose a lot of the innovators that don't have the luxury of being with, like you said, an Apple and Amazon, the giants of the world. But a lot of great innovation doesn't come from those companies. So I'm glad that you're sharing your story. I'm glad that people can attach some humanity to this business that we're in yeah i you know i think about i appreciate that i I think about all the companies that launched a failing product or a product that was poorly reviewed their first product and then went on to take that information and that knowledge uh, and apply that to create something great you know And, and and that's that's a lot of the time um you know the way that the way that these kind of things work Right is the the, the Betamax, you know, new Coke. If yeah. I think about all these kind of things, where these giant companies are able to do it, the the big the big difference there is capital, right? Yeah. These are companies that can afford to do that. But when you're a startup, um, you just you really just cannot afford to do that. You can't, and it, it's such a shame. I mean, honestly, from an innovation perspective, if I can't even imagine the amount of unrealized potential unrealized ideas and unrealized you know dreams that are that that are out there that could never come to light from extremely knowledgeable people who now have learned all of those lessons but they just ran out of resources because they didn't have the capital to make these things happen and i, I was talking to somebody the other day uh, about this with when it comes to indiegogo and kickstarter um crowdfunding in general uh, look, I'm a fan of those sites, but at the same time, it's a very interesting dynamic. Because if you actually think about it from a hardware company's perspective, they kind of are designed to foster this exact problem, right? right. Um, you cannot use those platforms to launch an already in-production product. That's not what it's designed for. Those platforms are specifically designed to take a company that has an idea that's in the R&D and prototyping phase and give them enough capital to then try to turn it into a reality. But when you do that, you set a company up for the coolest cooler type of situation, for the ping type of situation where, you know, we learned so much that was possible through the, the graciousness of our backers, but we had to use that money to learn that. And, and, right. and as a result, you can only produce so many products, you know, you can only get them out so fast, and then there's nothing left over, zero left over, um, to, you know, take that learning and uh, apply it again and again when you release the product and you iterate and you learn from it and so forth and so on. I mean, I, I've been doing this company since mid-2016. Uh, I haven't ever taken a single dollar. I I have put in hundreds of thousands of dollars into the company. I have never gotten a salary. I'm working on this full time. My wife is doing customer service. You know, Sashi, my partner, 
Same type of a thing. He's come on board. You know, we're doing this because it's a labor of love, and we believe in the dream and the vision. Um, when that's going to end, uh, I don't know. I have no idea. But, you know, people need to go into these things kind of eyes wide open from both the consumer that's going to purchase a product from a company that, that is starting out to understand that, you know, look, you're part of a process. You're not just getting a, a product. You're part of a, a process to create something great. And, you know, hopefully those consumers will stick with those companies as they go through this type of, of growing phase and learning phase um, and, and hopefully can emerge, you know, on the other side. And, and that's what we're trying to do here. Well, I, I think a lot of people can learn from this story, and I think, you know, you just mentioned something, which is really a disconnect between the people that pledge money on sites like, you know, Indiegogo or Kickstarter, that, okay, once this product is out, the experience, the journey is over, and that's not really what it's designed to do. Like you said, people have to understand these new products are meant to grow and evolve with the audience, with the people that pledge, the customers that help this company. It's not just a one, okay, I'm going to drop my money, and I expect a polished pearl to appear in my hand. That's not realistic. Yeah. But I think, I think, like you said, the crowdfunding scene has sort of, uh, sort of grown this idea that okay, once the product is made, the experience is over. And I think you know what we're learning from this now is it's more of a journey than it is. Okay, here's my finished product. It's up to I think the people oh, that pledge the money to understand it's an ongoing process. It should be. I mean, look, look <laughs> at us, right? Having this conversation. That's because you guys were backers of it. You engaged in it. You wanted to be part of it. I mean, nothing gets a company more jazz than people like you guys who are willing to take that chance, put their money where their mouth is so that they could be part of building something, you know, and the, and the best companies out there are the ones that are going to listen and involve people like you all, you know, in the creation of this. But the best customers out there are the ones that are not just throwing their money down and saying, give me a product. Oh, it doesn't do 100% what I want. I'm walking away and, you know, give me a refund. They're the ones that say, okay, how can I help to make this better? How can I become part of this startup? You know, even if they're not an employee or they're not, you know, they don't have ownership, who cares? It's just a matter of being part of a creative, engaging process. And I think that's where the best stuff comes from. And unfortunately, if you look at Indiegogo and you look at Kickstarter, it's exactly Mitchell, what you just said, which is, as soon as a campaign's done, they do not give you any tools to continue that conversation. That's right. a comment board where people can just blast you with, I didn't get my order, the thing doesn't work, what, you know, the vocal minority screaming. That's all they do. They don't give you any tools to engage and continue a dialogue, and I feel like that is such an important part of, of any company that is, you know, out there trying to create something great uh, for, you know, any market, consumer, enterprise, whatever it might be. Well, Mark, I'm going to ask Mark a question here, Josh. So, Mark, you know, I think, number one, uh, obviously posting this, you know, having this be on the radio, on the air, people are going to be able to hear this and get a better understanding. But we could also follow up, do another YouTube video, talk about all the changes so, you know, we can help sort of spread the word that it continues, the product continues to get better, evolve, get people reengaged. What do you think? Yeah, not only that, but you ask, you guys have a new product, too. I didn't even <laughs> realize that. You have a, a, a tiny locator, what, twenty four ninety nine, two hundred 200-foot range. When did this come out, and, and how long has it been available? Okay, I'm going to say something which is going to sound extremely odd. Okay. But don't buy that product. Okay. 
Okay. You want me to cut, oh, yeah. the, want me to cut this out of the interview? Exactly. <laughs> We were talking about this off the air beforehand. So our new site, right, which which launched about a month ago, okay. there's that product on there, and there's another section on there that says get unconfused. Yes. Right? This was a, this is that whole thing with the satellites and the towers and all of that and how things work. But what we learned, again, you know, listening to our customers and talking to them, what we learned is that in our space specifically, there's this a tremendous amount of confusion behind how do these things work? What are the expectations of this type of device? Uh, you know, is it going to give me pinpoint accuracy or can it give me 2,000 feet type of accuracy? And really, another big thing was, we get this all the time, how is this different than tile? Well, yes. how is this better than tile, right? And tile, for anybody who doesn't know, you know, they have like 10 million of their little devices out there. Great little device for keys and your wallet. Yes. Tile is a Bluetooth device. That means that it works up to 35 feet from your <laughs> Limited phone. range, yes. That is it. That's the range, right? Once you get past that, then it, you cannot find it anymore. So in reality, right, that means that if you put a tile in your luggage and your luggage goes to Chicago and you're in New York, you're never going to find it. Now, their whole, their whole pitch on that way back when, in 2012, I think it was, was this idea of what they called crowd GPS. Yeah, community. Let me explain yeah. that really Yeah, so let me explain that real quickly, and we have an article on that in that Unconfused. That basically means that they're hoping somebody else who has their app running in the background on their phone out of the how many billions, what, 8 billion people in this world? Yeah. And only 10 billion of these devices will <laughs> be near your luggage. So they're hoping, <laughs> yeah, they're hoping somebody with, with the Tile app is going to walk by and it's going to connect to that device in Chicago and go, oh, this is where I am. And they're hoping that's going to happen in that hour or two that you're in JFK wondering where your luggage is. <laughs> so it, it's, it's, not a great, it's not a great problem. So, so anyway, yeah. we, so, so that's, that's, like, that's the big difference in a GPS and a cellular GPS device and a Bluetooth device. So we would get that all the time. How are you different? The second thing which is related to that is, why do I have to pay a monthly fee? I don't want to pay a monthly fee. Why are you not $30? Tile's only $30. And for all of that, it was the same thing, which is we are a cell phone. You have to pay for your cell phone because we have to pay AT&T to connect to their towers, and they're paying whomever their roaming partners are internationally to connect to those towers. So you need to pay to cover those data costs. If you're using Bluetooth, you're good for 35 feet. But if you want anything beyond that, because you're on a kid, a pet, or anything that moves, then there's going to be a data fee involved. Now, I, I bring this all up, Mark, to answer your question, because we did all of that, and we put those all out there, and we would educate people, and we found that people were still confused. So what we then said was, look, instead of a, you know, can't beat them, join them kind of a mentality, why don't we actually offer a tile-like device, which is the Ping Home device. And let's put it up there, and let's let people who want 35 feet, let's give them that opportunity. Is it any better than tile? No, it's not. It's, they're all the same. I mean, honestly, they're all the same, yeah. right? But let's put it there, and let's say, here's a Bluetooth device. You can have this for 30 bucks. Or, for a couple of dollars more, you can have Bluetooth plus cellular plus GPS. You can have SOS and check-in. So we put it up there so that people can, can see with their wallet, so to speak, 
oh, I get the value now. I can do that, but for just a bit more, I can upgrade to get this. And I have to tell you, since we launched that, I think we've sold literally like three ping homes. <laughs> Everybody goes and they now look at it and they see it and they say, this is not worth it. I want to be able to locate or find something wherever it is. And they all gravitate towards ping GPS, not the ping home product. So that's why it exists. It's, it's actually there as a strategic um, product uh, product decision. Interesting. Yeah, and and like you yeah. said, that's why. But, but then again, you, you also have the issue of okay. I wonder if people get confused. With, wait, wait a minute. Am I going to expect the same performance from this less expensive device? And not ignore the fact that it's a Bluetooth device that's just meant to be short range. But you know what? If it educates people and lets them know, oh, now I can see a little bit more. I'm getting so yeah. much more. I think that's a really smart idea because people really get to see what the difference is between these two devices. And I'm, like you said, they're going to go for the better one, even if it means spending a few more dollars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and my industry, like this specifically, it is a very, it's getting very crowded. And there are a lot of charlatans, for lack of a better word, in this space. I mean, you can go on Amazon right now. You can do a search for the number one selling GPS tracking device. And you'll see one on there for 50 bucks. And you'll say to yourself, oh, this is great. I got global GPS tracking for 50 bucks. What people don't realize is that the minute they take that device from Amazon and they try to activate it, that company is charging $25 a month, $25. Wow. So that $50 immediately became $75 in order to just try the darn thing. And wow. then, you know, as you guys probably know, a large majority of people who subscribe to monthly bills, they, they never cancel. So this tiny little $50, you know, investment that you made to get this global GPS that you thought, oh, well, that's only 20 bucks more than a, than a tile all of a sudden you're spending hundreds of dollars. I mean, like crazy, 200 some odd dollars, you know, uh, $250, whatever it is, you know, you're spending uh, a lot of money every single year to use these things that are out there. And, and you know, people just need to be careful with any, with any of these devices, with anything they're buying, just like a cell phone. When you're dealing with next-gen, you know, kind of technology, when you're dealing with these niche type of products, be it a, a ping GPS or, or a you know, one of these uh, Alexas or one of these Jiro robots or whatever the heck it might be, you really need to, you know, look at the total kind of cost of ownership and how much you can contribute to the company and, you know, the whole deal. It's, 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 it's not simply just a check the box and be done type of purchase. Okay, so I invite our listeners to go to pinggps.com. Um, if they're confused, hit the get unconfused button, uh, get the seventy nine ninety nine, you know, ping GPS with Bluetooth and cellular with the incredible range. We're going to do another video definitely to follow up and show, show off your hard work in the new app and definitely, uh, help spread the word. And, and I'll, I'll try to get in touch with, uh, Indiegogo and Kickstarter as well and, and maybe encourage them to take a listen to this interview to understand that, you know, there's another perspective here, the, the longevity beyond just trying to raise initial funding, you know, and giving people some tools to stay connected with that base because as you said you know it's important to be able to continue that dialogue especially when you're evolving as a company yeah and i i encourage everybody to go on indiegogo go on kickstarter get involved back those projects but just do it eyes wide open have yeah. realistic expectations that you may not see anything for that money you may see something glorious you may see something in between and if it is in between or even if it's glorious or even if it's terrible 
you know, stay involved. This is how yeah. great things happen. Uh, they're not going to happen in a, in a silo. So, um, you know, this is what we really need to focus on from an innovation perspective. A very telling interview with Josh Lippiner of Ping GPS. That Again, head over Thank you so- to pinggps.com to support them. I'm a big fan of the product, and as Mitchell kind of alluded to, we'll do a follow-up uh, video over on YouTube and show you guys how this thing works, especially with the brand-new app that we now know that Josh kind of built himself. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Your Tech Report. On behalf of Mitchell Whitfield, I am Mark Aflalo. Follow along with us on all our social media. It is at Your Tech Report, and we will see you and or speak to you again next week. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com. Kids. I'm your eager beaver. And I'm Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then have we, we the perfect, perfect podcast for you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek. To help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous. Or sexy. Catch us on the Dean Blundell Network. Or on our YouTube channel. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Because democracy is something something you do. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.